Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. We continue on with Notre Dame Ohio State Week on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of Saturday's matchup, which will kick off a eh, couple of minutes past 7:30. I mean, TV and radio have to make a few extra bucks, stick in a few more commercials before the game kicks off. 7.30 kick right here on WSBT Radio. Our pregame coverage starts at 1 o'clock. But make sure you're with us from 4 to 6.30. Eric Hansen, Tyler Hork, and I will have game day sports beat brought to you by Bud Light live from Notre Dame Stadium. And I should mention, from 2 to 4 is the Legacy Heating and Air interview show. Their first guest is the great Joe Theismann. Wow. So if you tune in at 2, you will... Be able to hear from Mr. Theisman. I don't know if he's in town for the game, if he's going to be on Zoom, or if he's going to be live at Eddy Street Commons, but Mr. Theisman will be up first. He's a fun interview. Yes, he is. Outstanding. I thought he was great on Sunday Night Football back in the day on ESPN. Yeah. There's a generation that probably has no idea that he did ESPN Sunday Night Football. It's been and a few years ago. probably two generations that don't, don't realize he was born Joe Theisman. That's exactly right. But... To get him in the Heisman race, he became Joe Theismann. That's Eric Hansen. He is the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, covering fighting Irish football and all the sports as part of the Rivals Network. My name is Darren Pritchett. We are together for the next hour, and then I'll stick around and do the second hour by myself. We'll have some fun along the way as we continue to focus on Ohio State the number six team in the country, according to the Associated Press, taking on your ninth-ranked Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So a different week at InsideIndieSports.com, message board, chats, everything. Is everything dial up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the chat today, I didn't get to probably at least a third of the questions. And I went for three hours and 15 wow. minutes. I couldn't get to them. And there were some great ones that I left in the bin. I just couldn't get to them. Mm. Um, unless you wanted to say, Eric, don't do radio today. <laughs> but I wanted to do radio. I was against that thought, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt bad. But there were some great questions. People are excited. You know, you brought up a good point. We were talking, I don't know if we were on or off the air on Saturday about the biggest game in Notre Dame Stadium since. And I, I do feel like mm-hmm. the number one, number four versus Clemson in 2020 was big. But you're right. I mean, there was no buildup to that because everybody was kind of at their houses, you know, and, and the campus was a ghost town. 
uh, because of the COVID restrictions and so forth. And so it was very different. But, you know, I think tomorrow is when you're really going to feel it even more on campus because people are going to be starting to come in town. And I looked on the UE.com, it's now FightingIrish.com, had a directory of all the events. Oh, yeah. And they don't have a pep rally, I, I learned today. But all the events, and it's just, you could do things forever on Friday and Saturday before the game that look really fun. So um, I will be doing the one thing that's probably the most fun, and that's being at the game. Yeah, no question <laughs> about that. Any reason why there's no pep rally? I don't, I'm not sure. I didn't hmm. ask the question. I think maybe they're just going to do one at the beginning of the year. I know they had one um, maybe for their first home game. Gotcha. Okay. But, I mean, maybe they just feel like, you know what, that just is another thing that just kind of takes you away from football. So. And there's just with social media and everything, there's just so many different ways to get involved with the game. Maybe that's just old school the pep rally yeah. and now we're moving on because these guys get pulled a lot of different ways i mean they've got all the film work to do they've got to study there's a lot to do and and i'm sure on a friday you want to lock in if you're a football right. player and I, the head coach too yeah i think so you know um the I, I think they've had their ups and their downs in terms of people wanting to attend them and so forth and 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 the quality of them i would say this charlie weiss was the the pep rally master. He got great speakers for the pep rally. They're pretty well attended. But the one really significant one for me was in 2005. They um, It was before the USC game, before the Bush-Push game. And, you know, Notre Dame had been down for a while. And this 2005 team, I think Lee Corso, or Herb Street, one of those two, picked them to start out 0-7 that year. Hmm. So they're undefeated. They're ranked number nine in the country going into that game. And they couldn't – they said, we can't hold everybody that wants to go to the pep rally in the Joy Center, so we're going to have it in the stadium. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm sure this is going to be really successful. And I'm, I had to park pretty far away, and I'm walking to the stadium, and I see – people standing up in the last row of the upper <laughs> deck and I'm like oh my yeah. god 45,000 people for a pep rally it was it was stunning that whole week was amazing and while that pep rally was going on one of my favorite sports beats were, was taking place we were in Mishawaka and Lee Corso spent the hour with us just telling oh, stories wow. and it was amazing we got some Great stories about his roommate at Florida State. Burt Reynolds? Burt Reynolds. Oh, okay. yes. He had some great stories. Wow. And how he benefited from being around Burt from time to time. So, yeah, the great Lee Corso spending that hour with us was so much fun, and I still have the audio somewhere. All right, before we get to more Notre Dame, Ohio State, big news today. My goodness, Monday, the Irish got deuce night, the 25 quarterback recruit to verbally commit and now Gerby Lambert one of the top offensive tackles in the country Eric today picked the fighting Irish yeah Gerby Lambert who that was a really good pull for Joe Rudolph that's the first really big time recruit that he's pulled in and and again he didn't have a whole cycle to do that Joe came in fairly late um, in February from Virginia Tech, and, you know, there's – Peter Jones is already in the class. They got Styles Prescott, who's – Prescott, who's a rising kind of offensive lineman. Anthony Knapp, who was a kid that was pretty interested in him in Virginia Tech, who's from Georgia. But Gerby Lambert is one of those guys like, um, you know, Quentin Nelson. He's not rated quite as high as Quentin was coming out of high school, but – I would say, I mean, this was a big, big time get. And I think people don't realize it because part of the tug of war at the end was Notre Dame and Harvard and Boston College. But, I mean, everybody in the country wanted Gerby Lambert, including the team that's coming into Notre Dame um, Stadium on Saturday, Ohio State. All right, so this 24 class looks spectacular on paper, Eric, at this particular moment. Marcus Freeman 
and his staff, they have filled a lot of future holes on the roster by bringing in some outstanding-looking players. It is, and I, I would say they are probably done except for trying to flip some people from other classes. For example, Justin Scott in Ohio State's class, uh, Caleb Beasley in Tennessee's class, players like that. But, but yeah, Gerby Lambert was the last guy that was out there that they were – they had been chasing for a while and, and him verbally committing six foot seven, 300 pounds, number 63 player in the country overall per rivals, number four offensive tackle, same high school as Bubakar Traore. And I do think Bubakar played into this. He was the one that really got Gerby to come to campus. And that's where things started to change. Um, West Roxbury, Massachusetts, it's called Catholic Memorial, the high school, and you mentioned off the air, could he be in the mix to be the next left tackle after Joe Wall? I mean, there's a lot of people in that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not outrageous for him to be. I know Charles Jagaza is somebody that they're high on. Emil Wagner, who's training at right tackle right now. Tosh Baker has another year. I know he'd like to get into that mix. Like you mentioned to me, Blake Fisher could move over to left tackle, possibly. Blake Fisher, Ty Chan. <laughs> I mean, Sullivan Absher, who's probably going to be more of a right tackle. You can go on um, InsideNDSports.com and go to the football drop-down menu, and there's a scholarship chart, and you can kind of see who the people are in the pipeline. Let me rephrase. In some past years in the 21st century, he would have a good chance to start at left tackle for the Fighting Irish. In 2021, <laughs> he could have. Yeah. Yeah, in 2021, he could have been. He All right. Would, definitely been in that conversation for more on Gerby conversation yes for more on Gerby Lambert check out Eric's website inside indsports.com all right I'm updating my score prediction that I gave on Monday okay I picked Notre Dame to beat Ohio State 30 to 26 on Monday so I am now tweaking that prediction Eric today and now I have the final score 24 23 in favor of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Wow. Still have the Irish winning by one, but now it's... Eh. I, I'm, I'm, I docked a score prediction today. I'm not ready yet. Okay. I need about another day when I really have to make a score prediction to figure out where I'm going with this. Right now, I would pick a tie. I'd pick an overtime <laughs> yeah. game. That would be good for everybody in our industry. Yeah, Wouldn't be good for people with high blood pressure at home, but otherwise, <laughs> it would be fantastic. Somebody asked me today if I had a rooting interest. I'm not sure all the listeners realize I went to the Ohio State University and graduated. Um, And I've been covering Notre Dame for a long time, so they wondered if I had a rooting interest. I said, yeah, my Keurig machine. They cut it. Because out of the press box, I'm going to be up till 6 or 7 in the morning. So as long as that is working, I'm going to be great. Aha! That's all you need. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. Let's talk some football, by golly. Let's get to it. Here comes the first of three opening topics for tonight's program. And, Eric, let me start with this. Here is Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman being asked about his offensive line as they prepare to take on Ohio State on Saturday. Yeah, I think it does a lot because, you you know, you have a a strong belief that that those guys – you can run the ball behind our offensive line. And and as I've said, if we want to have success on offense, you have to be able to run the ball. And I know Sam has, has done a great job at throwing the ball around, but it's still created off of being able to run the ball and protect the quarterback. Right? We're going to have to protect the quarterback this week. And um, it's a great challenge for our guys. But the, the first thing I might have said in my opening press conference is that we're going to be an O-line, D-line driven program. And... Um, our old line has uh, really done a tremendous job of, of really playing at a high standard. Marcus Freeman on his offensive line. This is a huge matchup in the ball game, Eric, that Ohio State defensive line going up against the Fighting Irish offensive line. Just based on what you have seen recently from the Fighting Irish offensive line, are they ready for this opportunity against the Buckeyes? would say 
they are more ready for this than they were to open the season. If this had been the opening game, I would have had larger reservations. The thing, the thing that's difficult for me, Darren, is really the team that tested Notre Dame the most uh, as far as its offensive line play was NC State because of their weird scheme, because they're pretty veteran defense. And they had a lot of great looks and movement, and Notre Dame really had to adjust. Um, and that's really the top of it. But at the same time, Darren, who has Ohio State played that's tested their defensive line and their defensive front? I mean, we can look back to last year, um, but you know, some of the pieces have changed up front for them. We had Doug... Maurice on with us. Doug has covered Ohio State for a couple decades. And the Ohio State fans are questioning yeah. their defensive line and, and the veracity of it. And so the thing is, I mean, you look at Joe Alt and you feel pretty good about whoever's matched up with him. But what teams do and what Ohio State did last year was they said, we don't respect Notre Dame's interior offensive line. We're going to attack that. And they did, and they did it very effectively. I have a feeling the Bingo. the this is what the strategy will be Saturday. It's They're not as concerned about the edges as they are trying to attack the interior of the offensive line. Now, is Notre Dame ready? I mean, this could be the coming out party for those guards finally, or it could be being exposed. And so my job is to decipher what I think is more likely to happen. And I would say if Notre Dame kind of plays that to a standstill, if Notre Dame can run the ball well enough, if they protect Sam Hartman from getting knocked to the sideline and Steve Angeli having to come into the game, that's a win for Ohio State. That's a big win for Ohio State, just kind of being at a stalemate with that group, uh, given their experience. They're the number 19 team in rushing defense. They're number three in total defense. Now, again, <laughs> Indiana, Western Kentucky, and <sighs> Youngstown State. So, um, you know, they haven't really been tested either. They're going to see the best offense that they've seen certainly the best quarterback they've seen and probably just about every position player that they've seen. I was involved in a conversation earlier this week and a couple of Irish fans were wondering, and maybe not wondering, but they're disappointed that the Irish still use 12 personnel a lot, which is one running back and two tight ends. And their thought is, how can you only have Chris Tyree on the field for 14 snaps against Central Michigan. Look at the big play he made in that game, catching the beautiful throw from Hartman and going 76 yards for a touchdown. And I started with this, and you heard it in the soundbite we just played for Marcus Freeman. He wants to establish the run. And if Notre Dame wants to be physical and they want to get extra push, if they like the two tight end sets, that is a way to establish the running game. And I also think this, Eric, if you're concerned about protecting your quarterback, leaving a tight end in to pass protect while maybe the other goes out is also another way of securing your meal ticket continues to stand up, and that is Sam Hartman. So the 12 personnel, Eric, isn't flashy. It's old school with the two tight ends out there. And sure, the Irish have these wide receivers fans want to see. But that 12 personnel still could be very effective in this game, correct? I think so. That It's it's a chess match, though, against every team. So Sonny Styles, who's Lorenzo Styles' younger but actually larger physical mm-hmm. brother, is a guy that if you play more wide receivers, you can take him out of the game. He plays more against the 12 personnel. So are you asking to put a better player on the field by playing that? Here's another thing. So let's look at the Central Michigan game. That 
the multiple tight end sets we saw in that game was for Ohio State. It wasn't for to defeat Central Michigan. Great point. Central Michigan's weakness was its pass defense. And Notre Dame wanted to be able to run the ball when somebody knew they were going to run it and run it maybe when it wasn't appropriate to run it. They were going to run it. And with their number one tight end being on the sideline. So you had some three tight end sets. Uh, Cooper Flanagan played 22 snaps in that game as a freshman as the third tight end. That's a lot of three tight ends in the game. And so I think they wanted to get some sense of that because that's what Central Michigan did better of its two parts of its defense. They were a much better run defense going into that game. And Notre Dame was like, can we kind of exert our will? The whole pred, you know, the whole premise of what Jared Parker tries to do is he wants to be able to toggle back and forth. If you're leaning into mm-hmm. the run, he wants to open that up with the pass. And a lot of Notre Dame teams couldn't do that. If you're leaning toward the pass, he wants to open you up with open that up with the run. He wants to be able to do both. There were times Notre Dame wouldn't do that. There's times that they couldn't do that. Tommy Reese leaned into the multiple tight end sets and with a lot of success some years. But then they get to the playoff where they had to do both and they couldn't shift Mm -hmm. that gear. They couldn't make that gear because they didn't have, frankly, the quarterback to do that. I think they have that quarterback now. No question. Do you have any concerns about Notre Dame's ability to run the football against Ohio State? This will be an early lean for tomorrow's advantage game. Um, I think I'm trying to think of what Jim Knowles will do. And I do think he will stack. I think he'll tilt his defense toward the run. He's going to want to make it difficult for Notre Dame to run at least early until they prove that they can make it hurt. Do you think another aspect of what you think he might do is that he believes his corners can stick with the Irish wide receivers? Is that a part of the equation? Or is it more about, I need to stop the run? Well, I mean, I think their corners are better than Ohio State media and fans thought they were going to be coming into spring. They've they've held up pretty well, and I think they think... I mean, Lorenzo Styles is a heck of an athlete. He's not even in the cornerback picture. I mean, he's so far down the depth chart at cornerback. That's... That tells you kind of the quality of athletes they have. Their safeties are pretty good. Mm. I mean, they got they got torched against Michigan. And and one of the things Doug LeMaurice said was uh, Jim Knowles, when he was at Oklahoma State, sometimes really had to scheme up because they had a bunch of three stars. Notre Dame has, or I'm sorry, Ohio State has better athletes. And sometimes he outsmarted himself. You know, he would make them vulnerable with, being too aggressive, and Michigan really took advantage of that and just absolutely torched it. Plus, J.J. McCarthy is a very, very good quarterback. Um, But Michigan had its way in the run game and the pass game. So what what do I think Jim Knowles is going to do and whether Notre Dame can run the ball against them? I think eventually they will. It may take a little bit of dancing to get to that point, but I think Notre Dame... Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame couldn't run it last year. Tyler Buckner was kind of the running game. I think Audric Estime had like 26 yards on nine carries. Um, And it was a different game. Notre Dame was trying to limit the plays, shorten the game. They won't be doing that Saturday. Audric Estime, nine for 21. Tyree was six for 28. So Notre Dame's starting wide receiver this year led them in rushing last year against Ohio State and Buckner. 11 for 18, digs 4 for 9. Right. And mm. and so, you know, Ohio State kind of had their way with it. But then again, Buckner couldn't make them pay with yeah. the pass, and so they were going to sit on the run. They're not going to be able to sit on the run the whole game. How quickly can Jared Parker find ways? To, will he find it with the tight ends? Will he find it with the wide receivers? That's what great. That's what's great. Everybody every week's like, well, the – they didn't throw the tight ends, and all of a sudden, they threw to nobody but the tight ends. And now you we know? have too many tight ends on the field. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, this is all going to play out. This is what this has been setting up for is not only this week, but when you play Duke, 
the following yeah. week and when you play USC in middle of October. Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett, Sportsbeat on WSBT Radio. Next, here's Coach Freeman talking about penalties and missed tackles that the Irish had against Central Michigan last Saturday. You know, I think we, we've worked tremendous on tra- on tackling, and and there's an element of safety that you, you can't tackle live in, in, in practice. You, you can do drills, and we'll do drills. You know, the reality is we missed, I think, three tackles on the one drive that they scored a touchdown. Really, for the rest of the game, they did a good job. Um, I think we had one or two missed tackles after that, but the three missed tackles on the one drive that leads to a touchdown is what you can't have, you know? And, they're good too, right? You're going to miss tackles. It's part of the game of football, but you have to continue to show them how to improve at that and, and really work on it in practice, right, without going live. And then as far as the penalties, right, again, as I said after the game, is it a selfish penalty or is it a fundamental penalty, right? And, and you know, Riley's penalty can't happen. He's got to be smart. He is. He knew right after he did it he was smart enough. But, you know, Josh Burnham, he's turning run to the ball. He was like, Coach, I was just turning running the ball, and I, I didn't know that was the quarterback. I just hit whoever I saw, you know, and I'm running to the ball. The 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 holdings on offense have to – those are fundamentals that we got to keep working. We have bad technique that can lead to a, a penalty, you know. And so um, we just have to continue to keep working on the fundamentals and playing with good technique, and, and that should eliminate um, some of those penalties. Marcus Freeman on a, a couple of things that probably showed up on tape right away. For the coaching staff. Before we get into more on the Notre Dame defense, let's just go back to Central Michigan for a second. Mm-hmm. JD Bertrand was out with a concussion. There's your middle linebacker, your leading tackler the last three years. Jack Kaiser moves over in his spot, has 10 tackles in the ball game. Do you think, even though missed tackles was a part of Central Michigan having success? running the football at times against the Irish. Does a guy like Bertrand, is he missed more than just his tackling ability? But you know where I'm going with this. Remember Joe Schmidt. He was the guy that got everybody set up on defense. Every fan that wrote or called a radio show, oh, they need to find someone more athletic than this. Joe really helped everybody else succeed around him by getting them in the right position, making the right calls to set up the defense. Do you think some of the success Central Michigan had running the ball or maybe overall in that game had to do with the loss of Notre Dame's quote-unquote defensive quarterback? Absolutely. Now, I want to differentiate Joe Schmidt and Brian McGorder with Al Golden and J.D. Bertrand. Um, and and uh, in a complimentary way. Oh, okay. Okay, so J.D. Bertrand is incredible with play diagnosis. He gains a step because of how quick he is. He's also a fabulous communicator and being able to say, hey, look for this, watch this, so forth. Um, Joe Schmidt, all that, but in a much more complicated defense with a much more difficult communicator as the linebackers coach, defensive coordinator, okay. being Brian Van Gorder. So not only did he have to diagnose things, he had to do like calculus problems in his head <laughs> to tell everybody where to be because of the incredibly complex scheme that... The Brian, overload of information. Right, overload that... So I don't think these guys are overloaded, but I think J.D. Bertrand makes them better. And you could really see... I mean. Jack Kaiser got player of the game, had 10 tackles, you know, but I think Maris Leofow was a little bit more lost without J.D. Bertrand being out okay. there. I also think Jalen Sneed was a little bit lost because his rotation was different. There were times those three all played together, and that's not a combination we're used to seeing. And so consequently, when you look at the pro football focus grades, Leofow and Sneed were pretty far down, even though Jack, Jack Kaiser had a pretty good game. I would say, you know, in just talking with defensive coordinator Al Golden last night, he said the same thing. Same thing, really, with DJ Brown. He is the best communicator, the best hmm. play, play diagnosis guy in the secondary, or at least in the safety group. 
he's in a central kind of location so he can help the corners. It's not like Ben Morrison could, hey, Cam, <laughs> you know, over on the other side of the field. So those safeties need to be great communicators, and I think they'll benefit from having both those guys back. But, yeah, I, I mean, you constantly get in chat, and you people, I'm sure, come up to you. Are, are these guys bad? Is Jalen Sneed and, brings that and up. Drake Bowen bad? Look, if they had a combine, Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury and Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler when he comes back, those guys are winning that. Kingston Viliamu Asa, when he comes for a visit oh. this week, he would win the combine. But these guys, have, they're not bad athletes. They're better athletes than I think people are getting him credit for. But they've really learn the system they know it inside and out and it helps to know that and I do think um, Marist I think the good sign there was that with Bertrand back in practice yesterday Al Golden seemed really jazzed about yeah. Marist's practice on Tuesday He's Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, covering the Fighting Irish as part of the Rivals Network. I'm Darren Pritchett. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, I want to ask Eric if there's one thing Notre Dame has an advantage against Ohio State, what is it? But also, is there one disadvantage that Notre Dame has against Ohio State that could be costly in this game? We'll have that discussion next. Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. What's crack a lack in Indiana? You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, alongside on this Wednesday evening, 542 at WSBT. Just one more thought on the conversation we were having before we went to break. We were talking about the Notre Dame defense getting set to take on Ohio State. And when Ohio State wants to run the football, you laid it out perfectly that Western Kentucky's run defense is as bad as the St. Louis Cardinals starting pitching this year. And (laughs) Ohio State didn't, like, run them over. I mean, they had 200 yards, but it wasn't like, Eric, they just had 10 carries for 250 yards. It was okay. So I guess I'm kind of wondering, we spent a lot of time, rightfully so, talking about the Irish offensive line and that interior still trying to grow. But... Based on Indiana, Youngstown State, and Western Kentucky, do the Buckeyes truly know how good their offensive line is with two new starting tackles and a new starting center? And is that somewhere the Irish might be able to take advantage? Sure, but it is also Notre Dame's unknown. How good is their front seven against a really good team? You know that That's the unknown. But the good thing is it's, it's not – a conclusion that they're not good it's that there's a real opportunity for them to prove themselves in this game and you're right I mean Western Kentucky came into the Ohio State game which Ohio State won 63 to 10 but I'm I mean Ohio State is 68th in the country in rushing offense right now Western Kentucky was 130th they moved Oof. up a spot after playing <laughs> Ohio State they moved to 129th uh, after playing Ohio State, so um, he, it, the the it's fascinating. Even this being the fifth game of the year for Notre Dame and the fourth for Ohio State, there's still a lot of things about both these teams that we don't know about, and they are kind of clashing together. Some of them are the irresistible force versus the immo- immovable mm-hmm. object, and some are just the opposite of that: the very resistible force versus the very movable <laughs> object. So, I mean, and, and you look, I mean, the best wide receiver core in the country, the best cornerbacks Notre Dame's had in decades? Ages. Ages. So, I mean, th- that's what makes this game so fun. And 
The other thing that makes it a lot of fun, Darren, is there's more of these to come for both teams. Notre Dame has to go play Duke on the road after this week. So whatever you do, win or lose, you better get over that hangover. And then you've got USC in three weeks. Ohio State has to play Penn State and Michigan, which are in the top 10 and undefeated. So, I mean, for either of these teams, this can't be the end-all, be-all. This has to be the tone setter for the rest of the season. This is is the catapult toward the playoff, but you have a lot more tests ahead. Okay. What is the number one advantage you believe Notre Dame has in this game against Ohio State? I think the advantage is some position group that's not going against each other, Notre Dame's quarterback versus Ohio State's yep. quarterback. And it shows up in the statistics. I mean, it's it's a jaw dropper that Ohio State against those three teams that they've played, Indiana, Youngstown State, and Western Kentucky, is 93rd in the country in third down conversions. That's stunning. Now, Kyle McCord played a lot better in this last game Mm -hmm. than he did in the first two games. But, you know, I think there's a way to take advantage of that inexperience and him not being able to diagnose maybe what Notre Dame's trying to do with their blitzing linebackers or what they're trying to do, whether they're in man or zone or whatever. I mean, C.J. Stroud was really good, and he was really good at that part of the game. And... And Kyle McCord has not been able to prove that yet. At some point, you would think that he would get to that point, but he's not there yet. And so with Sam Hartman, that's what Sam Hartman does at the line of scrimmage. Somebody asked me if um, you know, if he was changing plays at the line of scrimmage. I go, yeah. Um, and, and the way that he's working with Jared Parker's in-game adjustments I think are really good. So that's where I think. And how many times could we say in a top 10 matchup in the past three decades that Notre Dame has had the advantage at quarterback in these matchups? It's very rare. Even even Brady Quinn having to go against Matt Leiner, you know, that was a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. He faced, what, Troy Smith in the Fiesta Bowl yeah. for Ohio State? Another but Heisman Trophy another winner. Heisman Trophy winner. Absolutely. Hmm. Well, it's been – it just doesn't seem like very often Ohio State doesn't have the check mark in the quarterback territory. I mean, do you have to go back to Kirk Herbstreit as their quarterback? <laughs> he actually was okay. He was okay. He was okay. But, but he – I mean, he was okay. That's the thing. I mean, he wasn't great. I mean, he's – really good at what he does now he's amazing he's what we've said about Notre Dame quarterbacks the last 10 12 years he's okay but he played above his star rating I mean he okay yeah I would say all right I agree with you on that what about what is the biggest disadvantage the Irish have I still think it's Ohio State's front seven against Notre Dame's offensive line, given the fact that Ohio State's not weak on the back end, or we don't think they're weak. Maybe uh, Notre Dame will expose that. But I think the fact that Ohio State can be good at run defense and pass defense, and they whether those guys have performed or not, they still have elite athletes in that front seven. Yeah, I'm with you. And we had a conversation a few moments ago off the air I made a statement in regard to that Ohio State offensive line. If Notre Dame had last year's defensive line, I think Notre Dame wins the game. But are they going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback without blitzing? And when you bring extra hats against those wide receivers from Ohio State, one less person out there in coverage, it gets a little dicey. Because you know what? When offenses are blitzed, they're supposed to beat it, and you can make a big, big playoff of it. So it's part of the chess match that goes into this game. I just wish there was a more consistent front four pass rush, the one that apparently we see in practice all the time. If it shows up on Saturday, that will make me feel a lot better. Well, I mean, Marie from Atlanta asked me today in chat about who are the two players that you know could really 
having their best games could change the outcome of this game. One on offense and one on defense. I bet you I can guess on defense. Okay. Is it Batello? Well, I said the other end. I said, okay. uh, I said Javante Jean-Baptiste. He is coming on. He had an incredible pass rush grade against Central Michigan. I get it. It's Central Michigan. But for him to do that, and then in talking to Al Golden last night, he's pretty juiced about how far Javante – I think he separated. Remember when it was the hyphenated guys – Timeshare. It's still a timeshare, <laughs> yeah. but Javante is taking over that position. Certainly Jordan Batello, too. Uh, I would think that Javante's going to end up being on the blind side of Kyle McCord more often than not. And so I think that's that's who I'm going to, going against the former San Diego State offensive tackle. Okay, very good. Eric Hansen, publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. We will step aside for a moment. The Twitter question of the day coming up next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett with Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. And we are here to talk about our Twitter X question of the day from yesterday. So the question was this. And you voted on it at 960 Sportspeed. What is the most likely outcome of the Notre Dame-Ohio State game? I offered four choices. Up first, Notre Dame wins by one to five points. Next up, Notre Dame wins by six or more points. Next up, Ohio State wins by one to five. And then Ohio State wins by six or more. Now, since Eric has not finalized a prediction as of yet, I'm going to walk around the question. I'm going to give a word salad question for you. Which of those four choices do you believe is least likely to be the end result? So it's the opposite of what everybody else voted. I would think the two, and then I'll I'll go down to one. Okay, are either team winning by six plus? And okay. I will say the least likely is Notre Dame winning by six plus. Now that doesn't mean I don't think I'll ultimately pick right. Notre Dame, okay. but I think that's the least likely, unless it was an overtime game and somebody won by seven, somebody fumbled, and then the other team had scored a touchdown an extra point that was kicked 80 yards down right. the field. So you're saying it's going to be a game within five points? I think it's going to be okay. a really close game. That's what I'm anticipating. Okay. I need to do a little bit more, I don't know, studying. Crystal ball work? Crystal ball work. <laughs> oh, that's recruiting nowadays. I forgot. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm still, I'm still, you know, I'm still sizing up some things. I, I want to hear Marcus's Zoom tomorrow. That, hmm. That's his know, mood or what he has to say? Both. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where sometimes I would flip a pick with Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly was more, that was more of a tell with Brian Kelly. Oh, Thursday. you could really tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I changed picks based yeah. on yeah. his mood. Yeah. Holy cow. Marcus, it's shorter and he's less, you know less effusive about anything you know so I wonder if he has to calm his nerves before this game because naturally it's his alma mater it's a huge huge game he's so good at keeping everything in perspective I'm sure it's going to be fine but I just think man I would be extra jacked up when I got up Saturday morning if I was in his shoes I think the alma mater thing isn't as big of a deal as it was last year. I mean, you're going to Columbus. Your dad grew up in Columbus. You went to that school. You played in that stadium. You've got all these memories. He's got different memories in South Bend. So I think it's the dynamics a little bit different. You, you still have friends on the other team. I mean, James Laurinaitis is coaching linebackers over there and Brian Hartline and you know, I mean, he's friends with and knows those guys. And so, um, but I think it's less about the alma mater and more about what this could mean to Notre Dame and 
what this could mean to the perception of Marcus Freeman. You know, right now, they've got some giddy-up going on in recruiting, and they'd like to continue that. <laughs> that should be the name of your recruiting beat, the giddy-up. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, so that's what you had to say. We are eliminating a team winning by six or more in this matchup. So now, the results of yesterday's question, what is the most likely outcome of the Notre Dame-Ohio State game? Coming in fourth place, the Ohio State University winning between one and five points. Okay. My eyebrows were raised just like yours. Third place in the voting, 18% said Ohio State by six or more. I think Notre Dame fans are feeling really good about their football team. Okay. I'm a Twitter account of Notre Dame followers, so probably not okay. a surprise. Okay. Ohio State came in third and fourth. Yeah, but you got people with, you know, nightmare, you know, therapist True. things. So. <laughs> there are those. <laughs> and one person said, only positive thoughts this week. I was thinking, I should change my pick to Ohio State 30, Notre Dame 7, just to see the response I would get. All right. Second in the voting. 23% said Notre Dame would win by 1 to 5. So, there are much more people right now dancing in the streets than panicking about this game. 45% believe Notre Dame will win by 6 or more points. Wow. You know, I've I've last year, you know, I don't pick against Notre Dame often <laughs> uh, because they've been pretty good the yeah. last few years. Um, I did pick Ohio State last year. I was pretty certain that they would win that game. Yes, This is a lot more of a taffy pull for me mentally just because, you know, and, you, and that's the opener. There were a lot of unknowns then, but I knew enough. Um, I had them winning bigger than they actually won by, so I was kind of wrong. The, the thing is, I thought I mean, I didn't know a lot about McCord coming into the season other than, I think, obviously the kid that transferred out, yours is better. Um, but he has not won me over in terms of me going, wow. You know, maybe he'll do that Saturday night. Okay, very good. Well, let's get to today's question. Are you okay, ready? Yep. Okay, so here's what people are voting on today. Twitter X, my account is 960Sportspeed. Of these choices, I had to start putting that because somebody, well, what about this? What about that? So I had to say, of these choices, what concerns you the most about the Ohio State football team that takes on the Fighting Irish on Saturday? The choices are the Buckeye passing attack, which means... Quarterback, wide receivers, pass protection. Their defensive line, which would go up against that Irish offensive line. The secondary or the running game. So passing game, defensive line, secondary, running game. Do you want to place your vote or go for the least likely of the four? I'll place my vote okay. here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Passing game. Now you're going to say, wait. Wait, aren't you guys that just said Kyle McCord and, you know, those wide receivers, my mom, who still teaches yoga in her 90s in Columbus, Ohio, could throw to Marvin Harrison and Ebuka, Emeka Ebuka, and Fleming, and Stover. So, yeah. And and beat Western Kentucky. I'm pretty sure that my mom. Aren't Irish fans familiar with Mayan Williams? I'll tell you what, that was the shock of the podcast yesterday, was talking to Doug LeMaurice about that. Mylon Williams is the third string running back at best right now. So does that mean they're so much better at one and two? Um, That wasn't a lasting thing for him. And in the offseason, he kind of got behind a couple other guys. And so I was surprised he wasn't more. Now maybe he'll say, Hey, I'm back, you know, and I'm going to get you guys. But yeah, he was a man in the fourth quarter last year 
He was a bowling ball. Where would he be on the Notre Dame depth chart right now? <laughs> I would say fourth. I mean, the, he's a, he's different than Jadarian Price and Jeremiah Love. I mean, he's different than those guys. He's closer to Audric Estime than in skill set than the others, but he's not as wide of a skill set. Audric is the better back. Last year, Milan was, hmm. um, but. But Audric is going to be the better back, I think, Saturday night. Between those two, Trayvon Henderson, we'll see. Henderson had 15 for 91 against the Irish last year. And as I mentioned, estimate 9 for 21 and a touchdown. He had a long of eight yards in that game against Ohio State. But he also didn't have Sam Hartman throwing the ball mm-hmm. and opening up the run. Okay, give me the two running backs for Notre Dame that you believe they will absolutely want in the game, one of the two, for pass protection purposes? Jabron Payne? Correct. And? Devin Ford. Mm, Okay. Yeah. And that's part of the chess match. That's part of the chess match. The, The winning part of that chess match is those guys can do other things. You see them in the game, you're not like, well, they're passing on this down. Because they'll give the ball to those guys. They'll also throw it to them. So that's where Dylan McCullough has done a great job of getting these wide skill sets with these running backs. Not only recruiting that, but developing them. Devin Ford against Central Michigan, targeted two times, had one catch. Store that away. Could come into play this Saturday. All right, it is 6.05. I'm past your goodbye time. Okay. So how about what's coming up right now? On your website, part of the Rivals Network, InsideIndieSports.com. So if you haven't read the Gerby Lambert stories, I would go back to that. Um, We had the chat transcript today. Uh, Lots of great questions today. We had exclamation points. I got called Swami. I got called Mike. Um, So that was, (laughs) I know, I I thought the guy was probably at happy hour. Um, We have a Joe Alt feature from Tyler James podcast with Doug Lay Maurice. I don't want to mispronounce his name. And of course, Darren, there's always much, much more. Check it out right now inside IndieSports.com. Well, have a wonderful evening and we will try it again in about 22 hours and 54 minutes. Sound good? I love it. The advantage game tomorrow, which is going to be fascinating. We've got the chat recap. We've got some of the questions for you and more when Eric rejoins the program tomorrow at 5 o'clock here on WSBT. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 